and welcome again to the Cartoon Lunch Podcast. My name is Antoine Gilbo. Today my guest is Dan Yaccarino. Dan is the uh, creator of Oswald the Octopus, which aired on Nick Jr. Um, I met Dan while working on the show, of course. I was the art director on the show slash lead designer, which I think was the official title. So here is my conversation with Dan about how he got into animation, how he got... Uh, he got the show on the air and what he's been doing since. So here it is. So today I am with Dan Yaccarino, who created Oswald the Octopus for Nick Jr., right? That's correct. And uh, so we met on that show, Oswald right. the Octopus. What year was that, 99, 2000? Right around 2001? There. Yeah. Um, so I was a designer on the show, and I met Dan, who was from New York, and uh, you were a book, children book illustrator. Yes, so how did you happen to get... Was was um, was Oswald the first animation experience you had? It was the second. Okay. The first... Well, I had also done a lot of commercial anima- uh, commercial illustration work. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the writing and illustrating children's books. And I had been doing an ad campaign for a product called Garden Burger. And I did a bunch of print... Uh, ads for it and they used it on bus shelters and billboards and stuff like that and they also used it on the packaging and then the next phase of the campaign was to do three 30 second animated spots Hmm. and so that was really my first introduction into hands-on animation and they asked me you know would you like to do this and I had never, I've never had any experience in animation whatsoever so of course I said yes yes I will do that and then I uh, went and got a book about <laughs> and learned how to storyboard. So I storyboarded those spots. And then the production company was in London. So they flew me out to London and I spent about two weeks working on the three spots. And I learned a lot from that very brief experience. But right around that time, maybe within six months... I got the green light for the pilot for Oswald. Oswald. Now, how did that? How, how did you? Who did you meet? How did you get into the pilot well, of Oswald? Well, got to go back to yeah. what the idea was originally, which was my concept was to have a series of very young preschool picture books about this character and this world that he lives in. Except I wanted it to be very sort of weirdly diverse. So you have animals with fantasy characters Mm -hmm. and different things like that. And I wanted to hold the whole universe together with my drawing style. And I wanted to tell these very, very simple stories. So I had written a few, and I hadn't quite gotten around to um, creating book dummies and going out and selling them at the time, but I did... Uh, meet someone who had some connections at Disney and Nick. And so I pitched to Disney and Nick. And Nickelodeon's offices were in New York. The preschool offices were in New York. But I was all in New York. Right. How did you know someone at Nick from doing Uh, Just a general meeting. And so it happened to have been Brown Johnson. But they contacted you or you... you I contacted them. them. You contacted them. Yeah. yeah. Because you wanted to do something. I I knew I wanted to do something else with it. And so I pitched to um, Brown. I pitched to one or two people at Disney. And when I pitched to Brown, I got on the subway and went home. 
And by the time I got home, there was a message on my answering machine to tell you what Mm -hmm. era this is. And they asked if I'd like to do the pilot. And so that was... That was it. That was really, you know. Um, so easy. what did you pitch? You pitched the the. the, the I had a the Bible you had for little books. No, no. I actually re- redid everything for a show. At, for a show, and uh, I think the Bible was about fifty pages. It was this insane amount of detail, you know, like a bio for each character, yeah. all these background images. I storyboarded a sequence. I did floor plans for so the whole home. I mean, it was, was already created. Yeah, I just. It's went, funny because we were talking a few minutes ago about pitch nothing. It's pitch better, nothing. You had the opposite. You had everything. Right. I had <laughs> way more than I should have, and yeah. in spite of all of that, um, I did the pilot, and then it tested well. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and then we went to series, and it, and it, it was just this crazy um, ride that I went on, and. I was in New York. I didn't move to Los Angeles where Nick Toons is mm-hmm. in Burbank. Yeah. So I didn't. So the production was here in uh, Burbank. And the rest of the team was in New York. So I had the story editor. I had the production manager. We had the composer. And so we had all this whole team in New York. We even had the freelance writers were in mm. New York as well. So yeah. we had this big component of the show in New York, and then the the rest of it was in Burbank, which gave it a like kind of an odd dynamic because usually it's all housed under the same roof. Mm-hmm. But I didn't come from animation, so I created the show and I produced it and I wrote some episodes. The story editor came from the theater, although I think he had done some animation at the time and now he does a lot. Mm-hmm. But he kind of didn't really come from animation either. The composer came from feature films and a jazz combo. His name is Evan Lurie, and he is still part of the Lounge Lizards with his brother John Lurie. And so Evan comes from live performance and some indie film scoring. And then, eventually, we hire Fred Savage, who had never done voiceover work before. Uh So you see all these components coming together that aren't the usual suspects. So it made something really original, it like just, very different. Exactly. Yeah. And the wonderful thing was about that experience is that I was given an enormous amount of free reign. And when I watch the episodes now, I am amazed at how much we were able to do and get on the screen and how much I got away with. Mm. And because of that, I think... It just really pushed it into its own unique direction. And I mm-hmm. I still love that show. I watch yeah. it. I think the writing is spot on. Everything about it. We did fill out the cast with some total voice pros and then sort of a mixed bag mm-hmm. as well. Comedians and yeah. things like that. And so it was it was an amazing experience. But I think it was a rather unique experience when you think about what it was comprised of compared to a lot of the other productions. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there's, that this show was better, but I'm just saying it had this Different. sort of unique twist to it. And I noticed the voices were a lot of adult voices, just like in the old cartoons. Right. No no, right. Like high-pitched kids, you know. Right, and yeah. right. And I, I was happy about that as well. I think for a moment they were questioning, you know, how old are these characters? So I kept just <laughs> using the word ageless. 
ageless. I don't know how old they are. I mean, how old is this octopus? How old is that flower or penguin? You can't really tell. The only adults on the whole show were Johnny Snowman, who was voiced by yeah. Mel Winkler, and Madame Butterfly, who was voiced by Lorraine Newman. They sort of represented the adults, and the rest of the characters were sort mm-hmm. of vaguely ageless. And then there was the baby caterpillar, yeah, Katrina yeah, yeah. Caterpillar, who was voiced by Debbie Derryberry, who also, I think, was just coming off of Jimmy Neutron at the time. Uh-huh. And she was wonderful because she did a lot of stuff for us. She did all the animals. She did a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. characters, and she was she's amazing. She really is, and she's still very, you know working stronger than ever today. So when you, the first time you met John, um, John Brown, yes. when Brown met you, she knew you from the books, though. She, I believe, sent books, some of my work. Of your, of your work, right? Some of my, she was familiar with Yeah, so the you books. were able to, you had that was my entree. many books already. It's yeah. not like you did, you did like one or two books. No, no, no. You were no, well no, known no. as a, a children's, children's book, book writer. Yeah, I probably did at least a dozen by then. Mm-hmm. So that was, yes. that was like a fair amount. It wasn't like I just did this one. So I think that the books have become, at the time, they were my entree mm-hmm. into television. And then Oswald has been the most amazing calling card of all because yeah. he still is uh, opening doors for me. And so there are a lot of people who remember the show and they loved it or they, their kids watched it or they were mm-hmm. in the business at the time and they became conscious of it. So Oswald, I, I'm so proud of the whole thing. And, I, and the greatest compliment that I could possibly have is that someone from the production would use the work that they did on the show as part of their reel or a script mm-hmm. or, you know, like a representation of their work because, you know, like yeah. how much better can it be for you, you know, to be involved in this production that you want to show off your work yeah, from it. So yeah. it was, that's, and I know a few people from production who have been using it even still. So, so you came from books. How did you start in books? Did you, did, is that what you wanted to do when you were a kid? What did you want to do when you were a little kid? When you, I was a you kid. You wanted to draw. You were drawing, I, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to draw, and I wanted to make up stories. Mm-hmm. So the most accessible thing that I was aware of that was kind of gettable was either a comic strip or comic books. And I think a lot of us started mm-hmm. off that way, especially guys roughly around our age, mm-hmm. too, TV or animation seemed like such a far-flung dream. Yeah. I didn't even know how to enter it. Not that I knew how to no, no, get into... No, no, it's like a bubble that you can't... Uh, yeah. The comic book you can do at home. Right. But yeah. it was always on the horizon, you know, like far away. And so I think I managed my own expectations and thought, I'll, I'll do comic strips because it involves mm-hmm. drawing and some storytelling. And I go back and look at my old sketchbooks and sure enough, there are all these different characters, always creating characters... And it evolved into actually making, you know, my own little comic books to eventually going to art school mm-hmm. and then sort of turning away from all of that stuff to learn about color theory and painting and different materials and thing, design and things like that. But I did graduate Parsons School of Design um, with a degree in illustration. Mm-hmm. So my plan was that I would put together a portfolio And my goal, which still, years later, was gettable, I'll illustrate articles for different magazines. So that's exactly what I started off doing. My very first professional commercial illustration job was with the New York Times Book Review. And it was a quick turnover. 
you had the weekend to do it. No sketch. Go straight mm-hmm. to finish. And so I had worked for those guys, which ended up being great advertisement for my work because everyone yeah. read the Times at, uh, and during that time. And I would get work from that. And so then I started... And those were black and white. And then I started to move on to magazines, little color, you know, single column color illustrations to move on to larger images to spreads I've done covers I've done the cover of the book review I don't know how many times Uh, then I moved sort of expanded out to commercial or um, advertising and so I had done a lot of ad ad work so what years were these like 80s Um, there was let's see I graduated in 87 I started work in 88 and then I moved into children's books by 1995, maybe, mm. and a friend of mine introduced me to an editor. And I really had no thought or interest, mm-hmm. really, in doing children's books. And I looked at it as another gig. You know, I get paid. Yeah. I think about it. I'll do illustration work. I'll get paid. So I showed my portfolio to this editor, and he asked me, well, do you have any ideas for stories? And I hadn't thought about it. And I said, yes. And I went home, and I... <laughs> I Went to the library and I counted the pages. I had a tape measure and I'm measuring, you know, like how, what's the average size of all these books? And so I taught myself the same way. I ran home and tried to learn how to do animation. Yeah. <laughs> I shoot first and ask questions later. I said yes to this opportunity. I wrote and illustrated my very first picture book. And then I started to illustrate other people's, but then I got back into writing and illustrating my own stuff. They know you're here. They're after you, right? Uh, they're they're after me. That's why you're in L.A., <laughs> yeah. not in New York. You're hiding from somebody. <laughs> yeah. um, so the first experience with picture books, well, the first experience with illustration, showed my portfolio, mm-hmm. and he hand, handed me a manuscript. Illustrate this, bring it on Monday. Like, that's it? That wasn't hard. For the book? Yeah, for the commercial illustration. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the yeah. New York Times. I go into this editor's office. I show him, again, show him my portfolio. He looks through. He goes, you got any ideas for books? I said, yes. Uh-huh. I came back two weeks later with a rough dummy. I go pitch, you know, three, three places, two, two divisions of Disney and Nickelodeon. By the time I get home, they said, do you want to do a pilot? And it seems like everything, everything was easy. Yeah. It was like Orson Welles, like you accomplished. And then everything after that was impossible. So huh. trying to get books going became harder over time. Oh, I see. So trying the first to get shot is easy for you, at least. There was for me, that's shot the way. Was very easy, and then yeah, I kept thinking, this isn't hard. What's everyone yeah, complaining yeah. about? This is really yeah. easy. But it was everything after that. So huh. the following, I don't know how many years, I relentlessly pitched shows. I came up with ideas. I pitched shows, and I had you know some measure of success. I designed the Backyardigan characters for Nickelodeon. And that was a fun gig. And then I... So after, that's after Oswald. That was but like for, right... But for the books. You, you got your book, you, you go home and you get like three ideas or something, and you yeah. took them? Um, the to the one, editor? The thing, I yeah. had exactly one idea. And he, he took it? There was he took work? it. Yeah. And then that you got more work as, a, as an yeah. illustrator. Well, work, was, work was that easy or was it tough after that? Work, well, as always an illustrator, commercial illustration, doing magazine work and things like that, that, as long as you keep advertising, mm-hmm. you're okay. The second you stop advertising, like I did when we started Oswald, like I don't have time to do the books, 
the show yeah. and the commercial illustration. So something has to go. So I love doing books and I love the show. And so I'm, I'll drop out of that. So I stopped advertising within six months. You know, wow. I got virtually no calls. So you would send cards advertising these books, these big books for illustration that, yeah. that they had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. handbooks, yeah. Um, postcards. Mm-hmm. And the second you stopped doing it, just, you know, it, it was like a, this, this precipice. Just yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the end of my commercial career. But the books, you know, it became harder to get books published. And, of course, with series work, yeah. You know, that is like, mm-hmm. you know, watching an iceberg move slowly. But I did get another show that um, was based on one of my books called Willa's Wildlife. That's the name of the show. The name of the book was called An Octopus Followed Me Home. Really? And that was produced by Nelvana. And How long after was that? After oh, gosh. Probably like eight years, nine. Eight years after all. Oh, yeah. So in between, you did books. I did books. I did everything I could. I went to pilot with one thing. I did a teaser with it. You know, like you get to these points. So Oswald's was like two years? Two seasons. Uh, Like three years? 52 11s. 52 11s, yeah. Yeah. Three three years. Something Something like that. I think it's two solid seasons. And you went back. When they didn't pick up more, you went back to books. Right. Right. That's all I had. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I... Churned out a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept coming out to L.A. to pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, like two, three times a year I came out. You remember. I'd oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'd get together. Yeah. And so it was hard work. I managed to get a couple of development deals that didn't go anywhere. A couple of, a couple of deals that went from development to writing the pilot. You know, like one or two deals that went from development, writing the pilot, to shooting a trailer. You know, like, at every stopgap, I've had experience in every single way or every single point in, in the process where it could fail and shut down. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's close to series once or twice, and then the mm-hmm. whole thing changed because for whatever internal reason on their end. So I went through a lot of that kind of roller coastery thing, like thinking, oh, this is it, and then it dies. So I did Willis Wildlife with Nilfana, and... Um, how long was that? Like a whole series? That, that was the same, 5211s. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So, so that's I, the same amount of time? Like three years? It was, it was quicker. Because yeah. we had two sets of story editors. Mm-hmm. So they did it twice as fast. So it was almost like 26. And 11. what was that on? Is that still on? Or is it on? Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. <laughs> it never yeah. really took hold. It was on NBC at the time. And it was on a, a channel called Cubo. Mm-hmm. which it was a 24-hour kids' network. I don't know if it's still around. But that was a good show. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed working on that show. Different, Totally different kind of show. It was a, a bridge show, so it was for older yeah. kids. It wasn't mm-hmm. preschool. And then I had sold a movie idea to Fox. I had various development deals over time. And currently I am working on something that I yeah. cannot be specific Secret about, stuff. but it's very exciting and we're in the... Very beginning of production. So it's working out. It's not one of these things. Oh no, no, no! Didn't no. go through. No, it went maybe. through. It's going through. So this is yeah. not a maybe. It's good. Yeah. Right. This is a definite. It's the definite first order of fifty two elevens. So after that show with the Nelvana, mm-hmm. that stopped. When was that? Two thousand eleven, maybe. Eleven. Yeah. So you kept doing books after that. So yeah. You were able to always go back to the books. Though. Right. Right. And even when I was on the series yeah. or any production, I still do the books. Yeah. Because books for me are sort of the purest expression of the idea. There's so few people involved. There's me, 
my editor, and the art director. Really, that's it. And I'm mm-hmm. only getting notes from the editor. So we kind of go back and forth, and we come up with a, you know, sort of a black and white dummy that we're both happy with, and then I go on to the finishes. But with television or series work, you know, it's a group project. Yeah. And you hire people that you, you don't want clones of yourself, and you don't mm-hmm. want to micromanage anyone because that'll kill the work. Yeah. So you hire the best people you can. You hire people mm-hmm. who are better than you. Yeah. And you let them do the work because the most important part of your job was hiring them. After that, if they're any good, they'll do the they'll do mm-hmm. the job. They'll do the work. They'll do this high quality work. Hopefully, coming up with way better ideas than I could ever have. And you let them go. And mm-hmm. everybody has to put their fingerprint on the show. I think it's important that everyone on the production has some sense of ownership over the show, mm-hmm. rather than. You're going to do what I say, and this is how I draw this thing, and this yeah. is how I write it. You, I, I, it's a totally different way to work compared to books, because books, with books, it's very much me in control of most of it. Mm-hmm. And with an animated series, you're sort of the position that I, I've been in, and you know, is sort of like a guide. Let's move it in this direction, but I don't want to ma- micromanage you. If I have very specific ideas, I'll write the episode myself. So it's a very different position. And especially in the beginning, when we first met at Nickelodeon, I had virtually no experience with a large group of people. Oh, crew, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was overwhelming. And, and now you're you, part of a giant company. Exactly, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like this it's keeps like getting take, bigger. They take everything, everything. they take charge of everything. and uh, It's a machine, and it yeah. should be. I mean, it has to be in order for you to accomplish that many episodes and that much time it has to be a well-oiled machine but I recall the first big meeting I had at Nickelodeon here at the studio I flew in and I had to present to the whole you know the heads of each division of the show and probably a couple of network people and I came down with hysterical laryngitis I am croaking my way through this talk because I would not let myself stop me from doing, even though probably every every fiber of my being is saying, you can't do this, you don't know how to do this, you've never done this before, you know, they're going to figure it out, you, you know, you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and I pushed through it, and I pushed through this, like, hour-long meeting. People could barely understand what I was saying, but I did it anyway, because <laughs> I knew this is part of the job. And there are, you know, unsavory parts of the job, like having to let people go, yeah, but I always tried to be the one to do it rather than hide behind someone else. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. This is this is the position that I have on the show. I will do it. So I took it very seriously, and I think I was a pretty good person to work with. You know, I know the crew was pretty happy. We didn't have mm-hmm. much. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was sort of a nice experience, I think, for everyone. So do you do you have you ever tried to? I know you have, but have you ever tried to pitch shows from your books? Yes. Like yes. TV version or film versions of your exactly. books. Exactly. Well, how different is that than coming up with a new idea? Just Well, I... You're, you're much closer to it because it's your idea. It's been your idea for a while. Exactly. So it would be harder to relinquish uh, control. And, control, yeah. But I do know from my experience with the movie with that Fox eventually took, I, at first... I wrote a script that was essentially the script version of the book. Okay, that Mm -hmm. didn't work. So my agent paired me with 
a screenwriter named Robert Ramirez, and he had some. He had ex- definitely had experience. I read his sample script; it was amazing, and I understood the intelligence behind. Let's pair this me up with somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. So, we wrote something that was sort of close to the book, but it wasn't exactly. We went out, and pitched it. Finally, we had somebody who was optioned it, and the first thing they said is, "We want to change a lot of this. Are you okay with that?" Mm-hmm. I said, "Absolutely," because I knew that. If I said no, then that would be the end of the deal. But also, I knew that if you were to make a film version f- totally faithfully from a book, it would be, first of all, it would be like nine hours long, and it would be boring, <laughs> and it, it would be terrible. You have to change it as according to the medium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we came up with a totally different storyline. Oh, really? Yeah, and maintaining the general fantasy world that the story takes place in and the title. Mm-hmm. And that was all that was left from the original. The characters, we were, characters were the same to look? Well, we didn't get that far. So oh, I was yeah. involved with drafting a treatment after it was optioned. Then it passed through several mm-hmm. hands. And I think it's still alive to this day. It's still being developed mm-hmm. right now, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but as far as getting shows going in that period of time, it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You have to just keep plugging away. And that's the thing. It's I think it's hard for some people to understand that you explain this to them. This is what I do. Well, why don't you have a show on now? Well, nobody's taking the stuff I'm doing. How long you've been pitching without a show? Five years. Why, do, why would you do that? I get asked that question a lot. Well, that sounds really hard. Why would you do that? <laughs> and I... Because I love it, I guess, and I'm yeah. stupid enough to keep going back and pitching and pitching and pitching, and the percentage of return is minuscule. But when you get it, it's amazing to see these things come to life, something that was in your head a couple of years ago. And I think it's just an amazing experience. Mm. I think that's what pulls me through very long periods of time without having anything going on. Or having nothing to show for a development deal, really. There's yeah. nothing on the screen. But I remember the first time we watched Oswald when it aired on Nickelodeon. I was in New York, and I was at a bar <laughs> with Evan Lurie and a few people from production and an executive from Nickelodeon. And we had the bartender change the channel the because they aired it on prime time. Oh, yeah. And so he was in some bar on like the Lower East Side of Manhattan <laughs> and we're watching Oswald. And it was thrilling because there it was. Commercials inserted, the yeah. bumpers, everything. And it's like, wow, this is a real show. I'm not watching it on a monitor in Burbank yeah. where everything looks perfect. I'm watching it on a television set. And that, I think I keep chasing that down. That mm-hmm. feeling that I got the first time I watched it air, there is nothing like it ever. And I keep trying to get that back, that feeling of... And now it's on, you know, the show, series are online, so it's a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. But when you first see that your character, something you conceived of, walk and talk and antic and do different mm-hmm. things, it's, it's, it's like you've given life. Yeah. It's a, an amazing experience. And it's amazing when you see stuff that people did with it. Yeah. Did with your character that you didn't think of. You know, right. you thought of the character, but you, it's a different story now. They wrote a story, the, the character talks with different words. They're not your words, but they fit. Right. 
<laughs> right, and that that is amazing because you think he's yours. That thing mm. is yours that you created, but you have to share it with the production team, and you have to allow. Mm-hmm. That's really important. But you're right; it does seem strange. And then I did some promotion for Oswald in uh, Japan, and you know, obviously they revoiced the show, and they used him for some ad campaign for something, and they had their own set of merch which was totally different than the U.S. <laughs> merch. They had, like, you know, beautiful little ceramic tea sets, silk scarves, different things. They did all the plush, mm-hmm. but they also had this other stuff. And I thought that was eye-opening because you think you know this character and you possess this character, but you're right. It goes out into the world, and they have their own life. Yeah. You know, the characters have their own life, and it's no longer yours anymore. Yeah. And, it, and it's a weird feeling, but it's wonderful. You know? It's like a kid. Yeah. This was the dream, you know, though. Yeah. You know, this was... Actually, animation is the dream that I dare not, dared not dream when I was a kid because it was just... First of all, I didn't know how you do... You know, how do you get into that? And second of all, it just seems so entirely unattainable to mm-hmm. me that I probably stopped thinking about it and focused on something that I could do, like comic books or mm-hmm. something like that. But I'm pretty much doing all the things that I want to do. I enjoy writing and illustrating. I enjoy telling stories. I enjoy producing shows. I enjoy writing, you know, for the shows. It's all the things that I love to do. And the book still. So you're still doing books, even though you're working on the the youth project? You're still doing books. Yeah, yeah, always doing books. Always, always, always. And it's, like I said, it's, it's such a joy to do the books. Because it's yeah. mostly my thought, my concept, and it's almost purest form. And then, mm-hmm. so if you take something like that that's really close to your vision and you pitch it, you know, a lot of that remains. Then, you know, nothing that I've ever done was gutted and, you know, all the stuff that mm-hmm. I loved about it was taken out. It was, that's why they took it, it for whatever quality that was. And so, if you, at least you start off with something that was uncompromised. Because I know people. In both books and animation, their approach is what's popular, what's needed. And I kind of don't work that way. I just figure out, you know, what do I like that also a kid would like? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that Venn diagram where you put the two, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's in the middle of that Venn diagram, that's what I tend to go after. But, of course, you try to push the edges of that to go, you know, push mm-hmm. beyond it. But mostly it's where do I cross over with who I was when I was six or five, six or seven. That's what the books are about. That's what the series are about. Mm. So do you have a new book out now? Are you working on one? I'm always working on one. Mm -hmm. So I had a book come out, or it's coming out. It's a sequel. And here's the funny thing. The original was published 20 years ago. (laughs) And... The writer, I didn't write this one. The writer wrote a sequel, and my publisher approached me, and of course I'm going to do it. I love this character. And so I finished that, and I have uh, that coming out next year called Smashy Town, which was a sequel to Trashy Town. <laughs> and he's just a great, fun character. And then, what else do I I'm just about to start work on a book about a little kid and their grandmother, and, of course, I'm developing a ton of stuff. You know, I have a couple of book dummies that I'm working on simultaneously, which is always what I do. And I think I, you know, I have made my 
inability to stay focused on one thing for like three hours, I try to make it work for me. So I hop around mm-hmm. all the time, and I'll, I'll spend an hour on this project, 45 minutes on this project, uh-huh. you know. And some days I won't touch that one, but, mm-hmm. you know, another time I'll, you know, look it over again. I can't sit and do the same thing. I really ha- I realize that now. I can't sit and sink eight hours straight on the same thing. I just so can't you bring couldn't work on one of your shows, like I mean, doing one thing, doing storyboards for ten hours. I couldn't on do one it. episode. I just could not. <laughs> do, I'm not smart enough or talented yeah. no, enough. No, or, I don't have like, the discipline. Yeah. So, in any given day, I'm working on mm-hmm. two or three book ideas, and in some way, shape, or form, some series work too. So, what's the next one coming up? Do you, or is, is there one that just came out? That the you book, want to mention or yeah. The last book I had was a sequel to another book that was twenty about twenty <laughs> years old. That's my best selling book. It's a board book, like one of those thick, chunky books called Five Little Pumpkins. And so I wrote and illustrated Five Little Pumpkins came back. The original has sold over a million and a half copies. And it's a great little book. It's like a standard Halloween counting book. And so I'll write a sequel. So so much time had passed that I did the original one traditionally with paints. Yeah. And so I did the new one in Photoshop. Oh, now you're not doing paint anymore? No, I haven't in a while. And so I sort of figured out how to make this look like the Mm -hmm. original. And the same thing went for Smashy Town and Trashy Town. Trashy Town was done in gouache on watercolor paper. And I had to replicate that technique and that feel to it because that's kind of a So do you reproduce the paper even or not? It's going to be printed on coated. Yeah. But there is a screen over all the artwork to give it this kind of mm-hmm, textury mm-hmm. look to it. And it's funny because that was done in Photoshop as well. So I'm going back and then going forward. So, But the new book that's coming out is Smashy Town. And then after that, the counting book. And then after that, I'm not sure yet. So well, That's great. Well, yeah. Yeah. And always with you know shows and, and feature projects trying to get those things off the ground as well. Well, thank you so much. We're talking. You're welcome. Telling me your life story. Well. <laughs> so the, the animation thing is like at least not even next year or next it's year. It's next year. Next it's year. third okay. quarter okay. 2020. Oh, 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 that's great. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. We're ah. that far along in production. So, Well, thank you and good luck on all the, all the new projects. Thank you. Can we go eat now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, this is it for today's podcast, today's episode with Dan Yaccarino, creator of uh, Oswald the Octopus. As usual, you can uh, you can get much more on the actual website at cartoonlunch.com where you can listen to this episode again if you'd like. All, all, all the other ones, all the podcast episodes for Cartoon Lunch are over there, as well as little clips, little video clips. Uh, since I'm filming these interviews, you can actually uh, see parts of them uh, as videos, and I put pictures also there, the whole animation site. So um, join us at cartoonlunch.com, and also join us for the next episode coming up soon. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>